may be seated. In keeping with my tradition, I forgot to tell the kids to go down to Children's Church. So uh, any children uh, up through grade four that want to go down to Children's Church is not too late to do so. Uh, They can head downstairs now. uh, I apologize for that. When I was young, I used to tell people that I would never raise my kids in the state of Florida. My reason for this was straightforward. I didn't want to raise my kids in Florida for the same reason retirees moved to Florida. Okay? I thought the weather was too favorable there to raise kids that would have any sort of character. <laughs> and and as, I, as I look outside here today, I think part of me still believes this because I've chosen to live in Massachusetts, and it's what, like 13 degrees outside and snowing. Uh, so hopefully that means good things for my children. I guess we will wait and see. The truth is, adversity is part of life, whether we live in Florida, Massachusetts, or anywhere else. There is no time or place in this world that is free from it. Every stage of life has its own challenges. Those moving through that stage would prefer to avoid. Kids have to deal with academic and social challenges. In early adulthood, there will be issues of work and marriage. Once kids come along, they bring blessings but also frustrations. As we age into our 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond, our bodies begin to break down. There will be periods of life with more or less adversity, but we are never free from it. In today's verses, the Israelites might have thought they were free from adversity, but they are in for a rude awakening. Through their experience, they see how God responds to adversity. We're going to look at that today with them. In today's verses, the Israelites might have thought they were free, but they were not. Please turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. We're going to read verses 22 through 27. Uh, Those verses can be found on page 54 if you're using the Pew Bible. And they will also be projected on the screen behind me. That is Exodus 15, verses 22 through 27. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments 
and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. The Israelites are in an adverse situation. They're moving through a desert wilderness without water. I've been in that situation before, and I can tell you it is a worrisome spot to be in. Adversity can come about for multiple reasons. It can be a result of circumstances we find ourselves in, our own actions, or just a result of living in a broken world. Often it is a combination of multiple factors. Whatever the reason for it, God redeems adversity. He can take bad things and bring good out of them. By listening to God, we can avoid bringing adversity upon ourselves. Ultimately, God provides a solution for all the adversity those who follow him will encounter. That solution is none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Adversity is part of life. The Israelites are moving from one challenge to the next. After the events of the Red Sea, they might have thought, we're in the clear. There will be no more adversity for us. The Egyptians are no longer a concern. The soul-crushing reality that has dominated the lives of every individual that makes up the nation of Israel for generations has been wiped out by God. They must have felt a tremendous sense of relief. They probably believed nothing could ever make them feel as threatened as the Egyptians did. God has proven his absolute power to overcome any obstacle. They can have confidence in his protection. They don't need to worry or have concern. Whatever confidence the Israelites felt after the Red Sea disappears within three days. As they are faced with a new adversity. Three days is not a very long amount of time. Three days ago was Thursday. What did you do last Thursday? Most of you probably spent at least some of your time digging out from the snow, right? If you, if as you were digging out from the snow... You prayed to God, and fire came down from heaven and melted away all the snow. I would hope that today you would still have some confidence that God could deal with whatever adversity you were going to face. 
Three days is not a long amount of time. On the other hand, three days is an incredibly long time to go without water. The Israelites did not have an ability to transport large amounts of water. There was no water available to them. To them. It is unclear when they started to worry, but by the third day, they are in full-blown panic mode. Three days is about how long a person can survive without water. You can go weeks without eating and still survive. If you don't get some fluids in you, after about three days, your kidneys start to shut down. Your kidneys are one of the primary ways that your, the electrolytes in your bloodstream that keep your heart beating regularly are managed. Those electrolytes get out of whack. You're going to go into a fatal arrhythmia pretty quickly. The water the Israelites do find only increases their adversity. It is bitter. The water is probably bitter due to a large content of mineral deposits. It cannot be safely consumed. The taste of the water is an indication it would be dangerous to any that drank Drinking the water of Mara would be the equivalent of drinking salt water. You can imagine the Israelites walking up to this water. They are in the process of dying from thirst. They desperately need water. And here they find it. But the water they find, it disappoints. It's worse than not finding any water at all. They are in a desperate situation. They can't go back. Behind them is the Red Sea that they cannot cross. And ahead of them, they don't, they don't know what is ahead of them. Their present position is untenable. The Israelites following God into the wilderness didn't mean that they wouldn't have adversity. Christians following Christ in our world doesn't mean we won't have adversity either. We are still in the world even if we are no longer supposed to be of it. Christians have not experienced final freedom from the pitfalls that are common to man. We still get flat tires. Disease is a part of our existence. If the economy goes south, we can still lose our savings or our jobs. Adversity is unavoidable. 1 Peter 4.12 gives Christians a bit of advice when it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. This is not what anyone likes to hear. For some people, adversity doesn't fit in with the deal they thought they made when they started following the Lord. Those people think that if they are following the Lord, it is his job to protect them from all adversity. 
when adversity hits, can cause a crisis of faith, which is what you see happening with the Israelites when they ask Moses what they should drink. Being a follower of Christ actually results in adversity that would not be the case otherwise. Scripture is not shy about letting us know this is the case. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11 says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The world has rejected Christ following Jesus. Well, not necessarily make your life easier. It will sometimes make you a target. Adversity will come. We also must deal with the regular adversity that comes with living in this world. God is not overwhelmed by adversity. God redeems adversity. Following the Israelites' complaints to Moses about the lack of water, he prays to the Lord. Verse 25 tells us what happens next. And the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. That's cool. God miraculously intervenes on behalf of the people of Israel yet again, although it is worth noting that God still has Moses do something. He's got to pick up a log and throw it in the water. But it's clear, it's not like a special log. There's nothing particularly unique about it. The log doesn't cause a chemical reaction in the water that makes it potable. It's just a log. For the Israelites, God changes the bitter water of adversity into the sweet water of redemption. The water doesn't just go from being undrinkable to drinkable. It goes from being undrinkable to good. Down in, in Tennessee, where I grew up, I grew up about an hour and a half from the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and there's this hike that I used to love to do down there called Charlie's Bunyan. It's this rock outcropping. You go, you go four miles out to this rock outcropping. It's along a ridgeline, and then four miles back, and about three miles into the hike, there's a spring of water that just bubbles up from the ground. And, and I remember doing that hike, it would, it would be a, just a blazing hot summer day. And I remember looking forward to that spring because the water that came from it was, was good. It was cold, it was fresh. It was pure. Not all water is created equal. I don't even like water. And I would look forward to that spring. God changes the bitter water of the desert into sweet water. 
God takes adversity and he makes it into something desirable. Something the Israelites gladly get down on their hands and knees for. This fits with the pattern of how God responds to adversity. He utilizes adversity as an opportunity to bring about goodness. These verses point forward to God's ultimate act of overcoming bitter adversity resulting in sweet redemption through Jesus Christ. Jesus' crucifixion was bitter in every way. There was no bright side to the experience, only pain and death. Jesus was put on the cross by the jealousy of the religious leaders and the injustice of the Romans. His friends mostly abandoned him. He experienced tremendous physical pain. In that moment of absolute torment, Jesus was offered more bitterness. In his dying moments, he cried out, I thirst. To quench that thirst, he was offered bitter wine. In today's verses, Moses threw a piece of wood at the Lord's command into the bitter water. Jesus put the wood of the cross into the bitter water of this world's sin and brokenness. The result in both cases was the same. That which was supposed to be deadly was redeemed. The bitterness was made sweet. Jesus himself is the means of living water that we need to nourish us. In John 4, 14, Jesus says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. In the closing verses of Revelation, Jesus, the risen Lord, proclaims, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without pain. In today's verses, after making the bitter water sweet, God clarifies for the Israelites how they should understand some of the adversity they face moving forward. If the Israelites will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord their God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, he will put none of the diseases on him that he put on the Egyptians. For he is the Lord your healer. There are positive and negative implications to this statement. Let's look at the negative. First, if the Israelites do not listen to God, he may send plagues or other adversity on them. Much of the rest of the Old Testament is unfortunately filled with God sending just this sort of judgment on the rebellious people of Israel. 
The positive implication is that God's desire is to heal. He wants the people of Israel to be obedient. He wants to make those who follow him whole. It's important to make something clear here. Not every bad thing that happens is a consequence of God judging unrighteousness. There are some that believe this. They teach that every disease or mishap is the Lord's judgment. In the New Testament, Jesus makes 100% clear that adversity is not necessarily an act of judgment from God. In John 9, Jesus and the disciples, they come across a man born blind, and the disciples ask, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Whenever adversity happens in our lives, it poses an experiential question. Why has this happened to me? Why is there no water? Why am I sick? Why are my relationships this way? There are various possible reasons. It could be that our struggles are simply the product of living in a broken world. It could be that God has a plan to work through the challenges we face for his glory. It could be that we need to repent. While there may be different sources of the adversity we experience, these verses focus on how the Israelites' own actions will determine the extent to which they face adversity from God as a direct consequence for their disobedience. This is not a cause and effect dynamic that ceases to occur after Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 30 through 32, which I preached on back in December, Paul says the disobedience of the Corinthians is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. We live in a culture where personal responsibility for adversity is rarely acknowledged. Our, our sin is, is really good at this. Our sin is good at convincing us that whatever problems we face are not a product of any choices we've made or the way that we have lived our lives. There's something outside of us. And sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that is the case, but it is often not the case. We are often our own greatest enemies. If we refuse to acknowledge our role in what we are experiencing, we cannot expect anything to change. We should not assume adversity is a direct result of our actions. We should consider it as a possibility. To truly know, we must seek the Lord. Diligently listening to the voice of the Lord, our God, is an imperative. Here's the good news. 
Whatever the source of our adversity might be, we know that God does not abandon us to the consequences of our actions. He does not abandon us to our adversity. All people fall short of doing what is right in the eyes of God. We break his commands. We act in ways that result in judgment from God. The Lord is our healer. That's what these verses say at the end. Ultimate healing comes in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus takes the consequences of our sin. He is our Savior. While we should aspire to obedience to avoid adversity, we should do so knowing that all the adversity of this world has been overcome by Jesus Christ. Jesus healed everywhere he went. He has defeated all the bitter adversity of this world on the cross. Adverse experiences are an inevitable part of life in a fallen world. Sometimes our own actions lead to bad situations, sometimes not. God can redeem every bit of bitterness we encounter. He will redeem every situation we turn over to Him. This redemption may not happen on our timeline. It will ultimately happen through Jesus Christ. He is our sustainer and healer. As you move through your life, following the commands of God will help you to avoid adversity. Even when bad things do happen to us, whether we can prevent them or not, we can trust in our God who redeems us. God takes the bitterness of this world. And turns it into the life-giving sweetness of his presence. Through placing a log, the life-giving cross of Christ, into this world. Our adversity will be made sweet through the provision of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray for all of us here. Um, many people in this room are in a particularly good period of their lives where things, things are going well um, and they don't have much to complain about. There are others in this room that are going through tremendous periods of adversity where it is hard for them to think how they can make it uh, another week, another month, Lord, in the present circumstances. And I pray for those individuals that are in times of adversity, Lord. I pray that they would find comfort and solace in you. I pray that they would be granted some glimpse of how you are bringing sweetness out of the adverse circumstances, out of the bitterness that they must deal with, Lord. And for any of us, Lord, I pray that we would seek you, that we would avoid bringing adversity upon ourselves through our own actions by turning to you. 
We thank you and we praise you that you did not leave us to deal with our adversity, whether it was our fault or a product of being in this world by ourselves, but that you came into this world, that you sent Jesus into this world to redeem our adversity. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.